Welcome to the Global Workplace, Diversity, Equality, Opportunity. Your host is Alma Besserton, the founder and director of Wimmigrants of Australia. In our program, we will showcase the global organizations who are making a difference worldwide for skilled migrants, as well as focus on some challenges the migrants face with diversity and inclusion. Now, here is your host, Alma Besserton. Hello, Voice America listeners. Um, this is Alma Besserton, and I am so excited today to have uh, one amazing guest uh, with a HR background, Ashley Winnett. Ashley, good morning. Hello, Ashley. Hi, Alma. Hi, how are you going? Very well, thanks. I'm so excited to have you on the Global Workplace uh, radio show this morning. It's morning in Australia. It's about 11 o'clock. And today is the last day of summer in Australia. Yeah, and it's been long coming. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it's a turn to the other side of the world to have their summer now. Um, actually, I am s- sorry. Go on. I was going to say absolutely. I'm I'm used to dealing with Detroit, where it's like minus thirty. So um, <laughs> I'm glad I dodge that weather all the time. <laughs> uh, look, I don't miss that weather anymore. I was born in Europe, and uh, I know what minus twenty is. I don't miss it. I can tell you. Um, actually, I am so excited to have you uh, on the Global Workplace Radio Show, where we actually uh, really. Uh, want to show uh, uh, really what the global organizations are doing uh, in terms of diversity, equality, opportunity, and all of the great initiatives. And uh, I'm really excited this morning to have you as my guest because I've been watching your work for a while now. I'm sure I'm not the only one, but you're one of the HR people that I really feel connected. Um, and I believe that's because you, you walk the talk. And uh, welcome, welcome to the Global Workplace this morning. And thanks for having me and being able to share the Holden's amazing story. So Yes, absolutely. I would like to just, uh, um, a lot of people in Australia uh, have heard of you and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people globally know of you, just in case that a couple of people yep. don't because this is broadcasted uh, across 150 countries. I just would like to introduce you as my guest uh, because your background is, is really great. You, you were finalist in the Australian Human Resource Institute David Ulrich HR Leader Award 2017 and congratulations for that. I was in a room uh, last night and I'm um, so sorry you didn't win, but you will probably <laughs> this year. <laughs> Thank you. And, I was just it was and, blessed to be considered. Yep. Yes, it's, it's wonderful. And uh, you're winner of the LinkedIn Conscious Business Leadership Award 2016 Management Maestro category. And I will come back to that one because I think we need to talk about this one a little bit more. And uh, you had an amazing career. And I have to say, when I read your bio and uh, connected with you to learn a little bit more about you, I actually had so much similarities in terms of how I started my career with yours, and that was another thing that I thought it was very similar. You you started, um, as you say, stacking shelves in a numerous departments, of course, but never made it to register. And from that, uh, you studied law because, as parents do, my did a similar thing as parents do. You go on holidays and they say, this is what you study, and yours and mine decided we're going to study law. Yep. And... Um, Luckily, we were good lawyers, isn't it? Because um, <laughs> you, you probably wanted to do something else. And you are a poet. You need to tell us about that as well because I think that's fantastic. And uh, you joined Holden in 2005, initially as a part of legal team, naturally, as a lawyer. And then you, you had your career within Holden. Tell us a little bit about your career, Ashley, uh, we, we'd hold them since 2005. Yeah, so when I when I came in, essentially Holden I had a reasonably small legal department. So for the audience, uh, Holden's part of General Motors. It's the Australian arm. Uh, it's been around since mm. 1856, so it's one of Australia's oldest companies. Uh, mm. But it uh, it manufactured and import imports vehicles. Today we just import vehicles, and I was part of a small team and. My background is employment, industrial relations and diversity related matters. At the time, we were spending a little bit too much on external legal spend. 
uh, an amazing general counsel at the time, Therese Ryan, who I'd chalk up as one of my great uh, sponsors and mentors. Uh, she decided that she would take a chance on me. So I left a uh, mm. partnership at a firm called Norton Rose and I came mm. in-house and started working directly for the HR team here. Wow, that's, that's, that's amazing. And since then, uh, certainly Holden has gone uh, through a, a huge transformation change. Um, tell us the, you know, what, one similarity is when I looked your background was I actually wanted to study music. And uh, naturally, my parents said, oh, look, you know, what are you going to do with the music study law? And, and luckily, I really loved my, my legal background. But I always loved um, when I transitioned into HR, in particular here in Australia, because I, I could get involved more in a people side of, um, you know, and, and still use your, your legal background. Um, tell us a little bit about that transition from legal to HR. Yeah. Um, so I was uh, going back a little bit. So you touched on it earlier, but my I went on vacation and uh, I did slightly better than I had told my parents I would do um, by way of school. But it, also, I think the experience it's not uncommon, particularly in migrant families, mm. for kind of there to be a little bit of aspiration put onto the children. And yes. So my case, my my results were better than I what I had thought. Um, I wasn't mm. about, this was back in the days of mail, and so what they did is they decided to change my preferences and I studied law. I, <laughs> I probably fell into the category of a lot of people, um, and probably shame on me, that <laughs> what, I, what I thought the law was about versus what the law actually does uh, were two very, yes. two very different things. And mm. so I turned up to university, I did all the courses, I then um, got my article clerkship or my apprenticeship, um, worked my way up through the system. What I learned mm. as a young brash lawyer, um, and I mm. was brash at the time, I kind of thought the be-all and end-all was making partnership. And I think with hindsight, I think it's a great career pathway for people who enjoy that, but it wasn't mm. what I enjoyed. So mm. at 32, I realized that I couldn't see myself for the rest of my life, um, essentially turning up to a law firm, doing billable hours, meeting clients, um, mm. and having others do the work that I'd sign. And so I decided mm. to get in and work at the coalface. What mm. I loved about it, though, is as a partner, I felt that the work I did was amazingly difficult. And what I've realized is that there's no more difficult work than being the person who has to not only provide the advice, but also execute it or implement it. And mm. you know, even down to people leaders, you know, as HR professionals, our guy, sorry, our objective is to guide the business through its challenges. Mm. And you know, challenges in the recent period have been telling a lot of people that, um, you know, the business is changing and as a consequence they'll be losing their, their jobs. But, mm. you know, sitting across the table from somebody and, you know, exploring with them, you know, that this has happened and how we can help them um, is probably the toughest thing I've ever done. Um, and yet, yes. if I go back 12 years ago, I thought law was tough. Yes, now, I can definitely relate to that um, because I'm, I'm sure even in a HR uh, roles, when you do a huge complex organizational changes or any transformation changes, I think the law background helps even when you're in a HR roles. And I was like you, exactly. I found that uh, uh, just being a lawyer is not really what I wanted. I, I just love to have my hands dirty and really mm -hmm. see the, the change through the organization. Um, and uh, in 2012, you returned to Melbourne from uh, mm -hmm. Adelaide, isn't it? And um, that's where you became Executive Director of Human Resources. That's true. Yeah, so about an hour's flight from here, uh, we had until the 20th of October last year uh, mm. a manufacturing facility where we, we manufactured for the US audience um, the Chevy SS and various variants mm. of that product and back here in Australia, the Holden brand. And mm. I was blessed by being able to um, essentially hone my skills. Um, when legal, uh, when HR said come and work for us, um, I was put to work kind of at the, at the lowest levels of the HR change to work, work my way up. Mm. Um, and I went from you know, a HR business partner looking after a couple of our plants um, into the industrial relations person on that site, into the plant personnel mm. director, and dealing with a number of the industrial issues that flowed through through that um, GFC period and then came mm. back to Melbourne um, to help out the team here. 
And uh, I really admire the way you're also recognized by a lot of people um, through the change because uh, was it last year that uh, manufacturing is actually closed in Adelaide? Wasn't yeah, it? it was. Or the year before? Yeah, yeah last year. So yeah, that was a big year. news across the uh, the whole country. And uh, I've seen a number of acknowledgement from your former colleagues and um, uh, a lot of other people within the organization, the, the way that that transformation or that closure was handled, because that's probably one of the toughest jobs that any HR director can do. Um, it's very emotional. And um, uh, some of these people are there for a long time. So congratulations on that. And uh, t- tell us a little bit um about that transformation um, from from last year, how how did that go, and and how did you manage uh, that whole transformation so successfully? Yeah, so it was a thanks for acknowledging that, and it was a complete team effort. Um, Holden mm-hmm. is a really strong and important brand for Australians, and our view is that you um, you've got to have a social license to operate, and. Mm-hmm. For us, four years ago, a decision was made that for various reasons, we couldn't continue to manufacture here. Now, we've got an amazingly mm. strong presence in design, and we'll probably touch on that later, and in engineering, mm. which is continuing. Mm. But from a manufacturing perspective, we just couldn't continue. Um, mm. So we decided that we would tell our staff so that they had significant amount of notice um, that this change was occurring. From mm. that, we sat down and we designed um, a transition program to ensure that our employees had the resilience and mental well-being to be able to uh, move from their current or their former jobs into a future job. Mm. Uh, Mm. We then invested heavily in terms of um, knowledge, the skills necessary to find employment in a digital age, and Mm. also... Um, uh, you know, how to apply for a job, uh, how to dress for jobs, anything and everything pertaining. And we really delved into the HR skills. So one, Mm. could I be mentally ready for the change? Once I was mentally ready, how do you go about getting a job? What I'm pleased to say, and this is the results as of um, the end of January of this year, um, 88% of the employees who were previously employed at that factory have now got employment somewhere else. Oh, congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. And, wow. And, yeah, and so the team for the last four years, we focused on one objective, and that was making sure that the last car was our best car. Mm. And we also wanted to make sure that the people and the families and the communities that were impacted by this change um, were essentially, at least as we possibly could, um, put them in the best place to succeed. And, mm. you know, my boss, the amazing Mark Bernhard, he, he's great, but the way he looks at that 88% number, he says, look, Ashley, you and your team have done an amazing job, but that means you haven't succeeded for 12% of the people. So <laughs> we're not going to, I know, um, we're not going to rest until we've been able to help everybody who requires help. Um, mm. But it is, it's one of those, it's, it's you know, I, I never said I'd get so much joy from being able to make a difference in the lives of our former mm. workforce. And, and for, you know, five years I spent there, these are my friends, they're my colleagues, they're my workmates, they're the people who mm. came to work every single day to make amazing products. Um, and mm. it's easy to sit in a headquarters building. Um, you know, if you actually physically watched the skill um, and the way in which they go around crafting a car, they hate me talking about them as craftspeople, but they truly were. Um, mm. And they were amazing at what they did. So they deserve all the assistance that Holden and our partners in both our state and federal government had offered them to succeed into lives beyond Holden. That is a, such a great example that I think anyone can learn from because you don't actually hear those sorts of stories very often. Um, uh, Ashley, we will take a break uh, just a little bit and after we come back we will touch base more on that because that actually deserves a little bit more discussion. So stay with us, we'll come back shortly. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Immigrants of Australia is a unique organization helping skilled immigrants, in particular women, to establish careers and integrate in a new country. For individuals, we offer coaching and mentoring programs. For organizations, we help create diverse and engaging culture, offer talent placement, career transitions, 
diversity strategy, and inclusive leadership development. We are also available for speaking and consulting engagements. Visit Wimmigrants.com.au for more information. That's Wimmigrants.com.au. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Global Workplace with Alma Besserton. To reach the show, please call in to our toll-free lines in North America, 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to alma at wimmigrants.com.au. Now, back to The Global Workplace. Thank you so much, everyone, for staying with us. Uh, I am Alma Besedin on the Global Workplace. Today, my guest is uh, Ashley Winnett, and I'm really excited to have Ashley talking to us today. He's Executive Director, People, Performance and Culture at GM Holden. And before the break, we were talking about uh, the huge transformation change that Holden um, undertook since last year where the manufacturing is um, is finished. And Ashley was talking about that uh, 80% of the workforce who actually transitioned out of Holden now have the job. And uh, I think, Ashley, that's, uh, that's a, such an inspirational story and one that certainly I hope a lot of businesses, not just in Australia, but globally can learn from. And... Um, what uh, what we should say to the audience is that, which you already mentioned, is that Holden is one of Australia's oldest car manufacturers, and it's built on migrants who came to Australia in the early 50s. Since then, the automotive landscape has completely changed and uh, transitioned from manufacturing into a sales culture. How did you transition from one environment into another? Great question and a question we ask ourselves every day. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a real challenge because the, uh, the pace that typically of manufacturing, even though it's, it's you know, every 72 seconds you'd be building uh, basically a different car, so it seems as though it's fast paced, but the changes that you go through and the processes that you go through to be able to work that fast are really quite rigorous, as you'd imagine mm. um, when you're building a vehicle. Um, as a sales business, most sales businesses have to be amazingly agile and mm. be able to move on a dime, so to speak. So mm. taking the business on a four-year journey from that really structured way of thinking into looking at you know, how do we speed up process, how do we act agile, how do we empower staff, um, also how do we create a business where it's okay to take a risk. Um, mm. When you manufacture, you can't take risks because if you take risks, there's a possibility you may injure somebody or kill them. Um, and of course, mm. we, we have, you know, you know safety is a number one priority. But in a sales organization, you know, if I put an advertisement up and it doesn't work, I should take it down as quickly as I put it up and try something new. Mm. It's going to take us a little bit of time before we speed up. But I've even felt the pace myself as I came into the business this year. And just, mm. you know, even something where I would, you know, I might be asked to do something and I'd do it in a day. It's now I've got to kind of find a way to do it in an hour and just get used wow. to that cadence. Um, and if, mm. I'm getting, if I'm feeling a bit pressured by that cadence, I'm sure everybody else here is as well. Um, mm. But it, it does, does require, you know, a lot of time providing context, explaining why, and re-educating mm. the workforce around, you know, what our mission is and why it's important to work as swiftly as we do. What are the, some of the key skills that uh, leadership uh, as well as your employees need to have in this fast-paced environment? Because... Baby boomers, like my generation, mm-hmm. I, I think you're much younger than me, but, but baby mm-hmm. boomers, um, 
you know they we whilst we are learning the technology technology is advancing and changing uh, almost as you're saying on a daily basis whereas um you know the the children of baby boomers mm-hmm. like they're now 27 or 25 they're actually born with technology how yeah. do um, you how do you um you know educate and what are the sorts of skills that your leadership and your employees need to have yeah so we when we look for talent within our organization particularly Holden we look for attitude uh, and we yes. look for behaviors first and foremost the, the way we kind of look mm. at it is and this will kind of maybe sound slightly trite but um, mm. if my attitude is uh, for instance a closed mindset there's mm. very little I can do or potentially should do as an employer to kind of turn you into an open mindset person. Mm. Uh, So what we do is we hunt for uh, entrepreneurial spirit. We hunt for open mindset. Mm. That's our key ingredients. Once we have that in a people leader, what we then look for is people who show empathy, the ability, learning agility. Um, The Mm. last thing we look for is the technical skill. Yes, Yes, because I I guess you can, yes, exactly, I was going to say, you can train them on a technical skills, but attitude is very hard to change if they don't have the right cultural fit. Yeah, Um, and we know know across our workforce, Alma, that, you know, there there are particular pockets and teams where people will climb over themselves to go and work for a particular leader, and Mm. when we investigate why that's the case... Um, mm. typically they're empathetic they're oversharers which is great they're great communicators um, mm. they have a goal they have a vision they're very inclusive um, yes. and they empower their teams um, there's nothing more mm. powerful than being encouraged by your leader to be the best version of yourself mm. how many people are now in, in Holden business across Australia Ashley yeah. We have about, uh, within our headquarters function, we have about a thousand people and there's two mm. key groups. And this is one of the secret things that we probably talk, should talk more about here at Holden, but yes. we really do. Um, mm. We've got an amazing world-class design center, uh, which yes. basically employs about 140 um, permanent staff. And then we staff up and down depending on the work that comes in. And in mm. addition to that, we have a proving ground facility where we test drive vehicles for Australian conditions along with working on propulsion systems and calibrations. And there's about another 100 uh, staff down there. In addition mm. to that, we've got the normal sales staff, warehousing staff, um, everything you'd expect from a, a retail business. Outside of that, we still have a network of 300 dealerships with about 10,000 employees across Australia from you know, Cairns at the top end down to Bundaberg at the bottom. Mm. Because I've looked on the uh, some of the information and transformation of the Fisherman's Bend uh, mm. in terms of uh, a step forward. It's just a world-class facility um, that you guys are, I think, still building. And uh, it's, it's just amazing just even to watch some of the, uh, uh, you know, artist impressions of the uh, of what yeah. what that site is going to look like because I, I guess um, you are much more ahead now with what technology is driving in terms of the changing for the workplace and, and I believe one of the things that is going to also impact uh, the workplace around the world is contingency workforce and in one of my previous shows I was talking to uh, Jacinta uh, Whelan from um, uh, Executive Intern and uh, she was talking about the importance uh, of the contingency workforce and how is that changing the landscape and in particular uh, organizations like yours that where innovation is is everything basically and agility, you will actually depend a lot on that skill that you can bring in and out as you need to. And you touched on it earlier with regards to technology and the impact of that. I was yes. reflecting that... You know, last week I was sitting in uh, essentially three hours from here, which is not where, you know, my office was my iPhone. Mm. And as long as you've got the ability to connect to a, a secure Wi-Fi system, yes, I, you know, most of us these days can actually do work from anywhere, which provides amazing flexibility with regards to how you manage your own personal life. So on the one yes. hand, with a contingent workforce, I've got the ability to, well, all of us have the ability to bring in and staff up and down depending upon what's going on. Um, mm. 
and, and use that as really an advantage. I suppose from the employee side, yeah, the minus is that you know you lose kind of a, a concept around a job for life or long-term job security. But mm. you know, when I spend time with a lot of younger members of staff, they're actually not looking for a career with one business. They're happy to no. come in, mm. hone their skills with us. And then, mm. you know, if they, they enjoy a particular uh, thing they're working on, then go and hunt that out in another business and continue to build that resume. So it'll be mm. interesting to see how that developer develops over the next couple of years. Yes, I, I think that uh, that that's globally what's actually is really driving a lot of changes at the workplace and uh, and also flexibility because you, you're absolutely right. Millennials do, don't actually have... Uh, desire to stay in a one job as our parents did or perhaps some of us did in our early careers uh, because they're not interested in that type of careers and with the contingency workforce I think also um, what's what's probably a lot of people of uh, in a boomer uh, age don't realize is that they will be able to use their uh, vast of knowledge and experience as a contingency working people um, I've seen the trend many, many years ago when I was in a large organizations where we actually had a lot of outsourcing and a lot of people lost the job. After six months, we actually brought some of them back. Uh, we gave them redundancies and then six months later, we actually brought them on a contract and we, they were paid more than they were paid as a full-time employees. And I think we will see that trend more where uh, probably people who don't even uh, have the jobs at the moment because of the restructures or maybe some, some of people in Holden, they will be able to, to work as a, as a skill that organization will need in and out. And that itself uh, will give some flexibility to, to use actually your skills even in a later age of your life. Absolutely. Um, the the other thing I wanted to ask you because it's so um, impressive actually apart from you being a finalist uh, um, in Ari David Ulrich HR Leader Award, you were winner of the LinkedIn Conscious Business Leadership Award 2016 Management Maestro, and um, you are not a typical HR director at all. And um, I believe you received this award not because of your skills and qualifications, but your passion for a true leadership and building and managing environment of trust, integrity, and openness. And you talked about that uh, um, before, that it's about the attitude, not the technical skills. So congratulations first on this award. Uh, for those of people who actually don't know what this award is, could you please tell us a little bit more about it? Yep, thank you. I, and tell you, it's heavy. That's for that's for certain. Um, weighs about five. <laughs> it <kilos>. feels like it. <laughs> yeah, it's very heavy. Um, but really, what it's about is it's a mindset. Mm. We believe, and I believe, that there is a different way of doing business. Um, of course, we're yes. here to provide a return for shareholders, um, but we also have to live and work in the communities that we exist, and we need to treat our people appropriately. Um, mm-hmm. I've worked in businesses where there is low trust. I've worked in businesses where there is little teamwork. I've worked in businesses where there is not, people would say this is not a fair environment. Mm. Um, And being given the the benefit of being in this position at this time with the amazing staff who work here and being able to go, what business do we want to be? Um, Mm. And the business we've chosen to be is one where um, our employees should be trusted with everything. Yes. Um, they should be free to be able to come and talk to us about anything and everything. We should be open and honest with them. Not in a, you know, I've got an open mm. door, but really it's a closed door. Um, mm. They should be able to share their concerns and deal with their mm. problems. People should be, we should back each other and feel like one team. So it's mm. really taking an approach which puts, you know, some people use the term humanification or human-centric mm. approach. But how could you run a business where... The people who are here truly care very much about mm. each other and the brand. Mm. And I suppose the manifestation of that is the way we've cared for the people who've left the business through the manufacturing close down and the mm. effort and energy we put both into who we now bring into the business, why we bring mm. them into the business, and then how mm. we induct them into our culture. Because we're very mindful, again, to make sure that what we have here is truly special. Every time mm. we measure it, it comes out that this is an amazing place to work. Um, 
but making sure that each person that we bring into it uh, adds to that and doesn't subtract from it. And it's, mm. um, you know, I've, you know, it's, it's not a cutthroat environment. People, people here, we know what we need to do. We know in how we need to go after it, but mm. we want to help each other get there. And that's kind of mm. what this award was about. That, that's, that's really fantastic because what you're talking about is actually branding, not just internally, but uh, also externally. Uh, you want to make sure that people even who are leaving the organizations are your advocates of the brand, even if they don't have the job. And I think you achieved that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a great example um, to other companies to, to actually think about the branding, not only within organization or with their customers, but also when their people leave. Um, that, that makes me uh, um, ask you the next question in terms of what actually people do look in their leaders and how do you build a trust? Because you mentioned some of these things, but if you just can summarize and what would be advice you can give to other organization and other HR professionals how to build a trust within their own organizations? Yep. Uh, I think the, the approach that we would take is, is this, is, and particularly when it comes to change. Mm. Uh, it, I think having lived through it for the last probably five years, in all honesty, that it doesn't matter... It, sorry. It matters from an employee's perspective, or just from a, from mm. a person's perspective, um, being told as soon as possible. Whether mm. I tell you today or tell you in a year's time, it mm. hurts nonetheless. Mm. But if you tell me today that in a year's time I'll finish up, I mm. have the ability then to, to essentially eliminate fear um, yes. and solve for that. And so we, what we try to do is I think the great leaders go, um, I will be honest and open with my team the minute mm. I can. And yes. it's my job to remove fear from you because mm. if I tell an employee today that in a week's time they're leaving the business, the first thing mm. that goes through their head is how do I pay my mortgage? What will I do with my kids? How, Absolutely. Um, mm. Remove the fear from our people. That's probably step one. Mm. Step two is um, what do we as leaders do to empower our people or what do we do in a different way to put restrictions on them so that they're not being a true version of themselves? Mm. what talents do they have we don't know about what aspirations do they want what capability am I not unleashing and Mm. freeing people up Um, Mm. so I think there's a lot of time and effort that great leaders can do to spend around um, being open and honest and one with the team and then trying to encourage the absolute best out of them and encourage a boldness Um, you never you don't save your way out of a crisis you know I think there's that adage you know you know, we didn't continuously improve the candle into a light bulb. Sometimes you have mm. to take big, brave bets. And that applies yes. equally not only to product, but more importantly to the people. Um, mm. but, and then spending time listening to them. Um, and I, I guess... The job should be talking and listening. Mm. I, I think there are great, uh, really basic things for change that unfortunately sometimes we miss when we implement the change. Because as you were saying, Ashley the first initial thought is the fear and um, mm-hmm. we are hardwired as a human to think bad. So uh, when, mm-hmm. when there is a change, automatically go as, as bad. But I also think um, it's important to acknowledge if you don't have all information, isn't it? And uh, not sugarcoat the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think I reflect back four years ago when we made the announcement, um, I made the decision to stay in Melbourne because I wanted to be where most of the HR team were. Yes. And what I could tell them at the time was in four years' time, there'll be a significant change. And the workforce that we had in the HR team, which was 33 people, would probably be around eight. Now, right. I couldn't tell them who out of the 33 would be losing their jobs. Um, but mm. I did say to them, the minute that I knew how that change would impact them, I'd tell them. What mm. was interesting within Holden, there were some other leaders who basically said, look, I'm not going to do this. Um, mm. And I'm not going to share that with my team. And what we found when we go back is those teams um, didn't prepare as well, weren't as resilient as they potentially needed to be. Um, mm. And as a consequence, we now very much encourage openness because we've seen when you're not open with a team, how it impacts them. 
Yes, absolutely. It's uh, it's that transparency that that's really a key uh, in managing change, and also admit if something doesn't go as planned, isn't it? Because when when you're running in a, in a business, things happen. And it's important to acknowledge, even if you take a risk and things don't go uh, per plan, it's important to acknowledge that, uh, you know, sometimes you make a mistake. And I think that's the reason why often innovation is quashed as well as feedback from employees, because there's a fear of if I admit that I make mistake, I will be seen as less capable. Um, I make mistakes every single day and I own up to them. Uh, I think also mm-hmm. that, you know, when you, you actually take the time to tell your team what's going on and why it's mm-hmm. going on, um, the yes. team, in most instances, will actually come up with solutions for you. Yes. Um, and I think Australian leadership culture is a bit odd vis-a-vis other cultures where mm. people have a tendency to look up, the leader knows everything, they will solve everything. Um, mm. And again, the approach we take here is I just happen to be a leader of a team here yes. is our challenge over to you team to kind of come up with various solutions. But as I said, mm. even when I, you know, it's nice to be acknowledged for the work that this team has done, um, but it is mm. truly the work of the team. So, mm. you know, if you, if you have an issue or a challenge, actually inviting the team to say, how would you solve it? will come up with a myriad of solutions that one person mm. won't come up with. Yeah, look, I've heard it so many times, actually, I'm sure you have too, where organizations bring external consultants to resolve the problem and they what they do is go back and um, talk to employees and come up, come back with the solutions that actually staff probably were saying, um, you know, for the last five years. <laughs> so so it, it is important to listen to employees. Um, actually, we'll take a break Um in a, in a second, and when we come back, I would like to talk more about the changes in the workplace in general, but also how they were impacted um, your, your workplace and holding. So uh, stay with us. We'll come back shortly. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Immigrants of Australia is a unique organization helping skilled immigrants, in particular women, to establish careers and integrate in a new country. For individuals, we offer coaching and mentoring programs. For organizations, we help create diverse and engaging culture, offer talent placement, career transitions, diversity strategy, and inclusive leadership development. We are also available for speaking and consulting engagements. Visit Wimmigrants.com.au for more information. That's Wimmigrants.com.au. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Global Workplace with Alma Besserton. To reach the show, please call into our toll-free lines in North America, 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to alma at wimmigrants.com.au. Now, back to The Global Workplace. Welcome back, everyone, and uh, thank you for staying with us. My guest today is Ashley Winnett, Executive Director, People, Performance and Culture. And during the break, Ashley mentioned something that I really need to share with everyone, which was really great. 
He was saying how he reflects on the positive things that the team and himself done. And um, Ashley, you mentioned uh, analogy with the sports people. They look back three seconds, did you say, or three minutes uh, yeah. on their last run, and then they think about, okay, how can I win my next one? Yes, I, been, I, I mean, it's probably probably timely with the Winter Olympics wrapping up, but we've, we, <laughs> the last 18 months we've been practicing a type of leadership uh, which mirrors uh, elite sports, and we've been working with um, a, uh, basically a sports psychologist to get a better understanding of how sports people um, think, and one of the mm. things that sports people do is they very rarely spend a great deal of time focusing on the past. So I mm. use an example is there's a, an amazing female skier in Australia who what she would do is once she would do a run, she would then spend three seconds reflecting on that run, um, very much processing what she should do to do, be better, and then very mm. much spending the majority of the time between that and her next run focusing on how she was going to exceed moving forward. I think what we found is in business, people have a tendency to look at a couple of things. One is, what did we do wrong? Who did it mm. wrong? And why, mm. did they did it wrong? why did they do it wrong? As mm. opposed to going, none of us have a time machine. Let's learn very quickly mm. from what went wrong. But how can I now leverage going forward? Um, the only thing I can change is the future. I can, nothing I can do about the past. So yes. um, it's how we do it. The other thing we've been doing too, which I think has been remarkable amongst our team is... Um, what we call is like providing performance feedback in the moment. And, and what I mean yes. by that is if I do something that's not, if I do something that withdraws energy from another person, um, I would feel horrible. But what really happens is when, some, when that actually happens, somebody's saying to me, hey, Ashley, when you said that to me, it made me feel um, less energized, less connected, um, uh, less control, less confident. Please don't mm. do it. And we kind of, that's a brilliant feedback. I take it on board and then I try to avoid doing that in the future. By doing mm. that, you fuel this amazing confidence amongst yourself to be excellent. And that's what we try to do here these days. That's fantastic, um, Ashley. I mean, that, that is something really great uh, to share with the uh, rest of the world, how they can improve leadership and employee engagement uh, in the workplace. Because I know from my experience, uh, helping organizations to move with change. The first thing that I hear when I come somewhere is, oh, we tried that, it doesn't work. And then the whole energy of the meeting was spent that they've started that 10 years ago. It didn't work and why it didn't work. And uh, the whole energy drops and nobody's energized anymore. And I think what you were saying is, you know, spend three minutes on what didn't work, learn from it quickly, and then move on to the things that you yeah. know will, will work. And I think that's fantastic analogy that uh, certainly I'm going to use next time when mm -hmm. I am uh, working with organizations in, in change. Uh -huh. um, Ashley, you mentioned... That. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I'm up. I was going to say on oh. that one, what I love too is, and I'll give you an example, which was with mobile technology. Mm -hmm. um, and, and people forget how time plays into change. So five years yes. ago, somebody had said to me, I want to work from home. We would go, oh, that's not possible, can't do it. Today, it yes. can. But if I start a conversation mm. with it's not possible or it can't be done, it's very different from mm. why don't we give it a try or why couldn't we do that or, um, you know, what if? Um, mm. And I think a business mm. don't ask that question enough as they probably should. Well, that's a very interesting point uh, as well because I've heard so many times when people come to me where I go somewhere and they say, you know, we, we've got actually remote access, but when they ask to work from home, the answer is no. Because yeah. the organizations uh, are saying, oh, well, you know, we have staff meetings here uh, and, uh, you know, you need to be at, at the workplace. And then the question really is, why then have this old technology that enables people to work basically in their backyards these days if they want to mm -hmm. and need to? And they access um, conference calls and, uh, you know, by many ways. So that's really not the reason. I think it's, it's um, difficult to let go of something that is, um, you know, coming as a new way of actually working uh, in, in, in the global environment. And I think um, not everyone is advanced, I have to say, as Holden. Um, there are lots of yeah. companies who really struggle with that uh, mindset. It, it is, you're absolutely right, it is about leadership mindset. And, and that mm -hmm. mindset will actually break it or make it that yeah. cultural shift within the organization. Yeah, if we trust our and, teams, 
then yes, it doesn't matter where we work, doesn't matter when we work. Yes. It doesn't, all we care about is whether the work that we need to do as a team is actually done. Correct. And, and that is another way to build a trust, isn't it? We talked about mm. how do you build a trust as a leader. You have to trust people, they will do the work. Um, and, and that's one way. And talking about technology, I've noticed uh, when I was emailing uh, uh, with you that uh, uh, on the bottom of your email it says, I work flexibly and am sending this message now because I am working. I don't expect that you will read, respond to or action it outside of regular working hours. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so I like to be an active parent. I would put my hand yes. up and say I'm probably not as active as I'd like to be, but um, <laughs> what it does for the work environment is it will mean that there's certain times of the day where I will put parenting before work, um, yes. But then there's other times of the day which are probably outside of a normal person's working time where um, I choose to catch up on things because I have to. So, and yes. give me an example, yeah, I might go home, I might um, help out with meals, I'll then read the children books, make sure they're bathed and, and put to bed, I might then mm. relax for an hour and then I might jump on my laptop again and doing some work. Now, yes. that suits me, but I don't mm. want my team to feel as though they need to then respond to an email that I send because I choose to put parenting before work. And I've yes. learned over time that if you don't make it really clear as to what your expectations are of your team, they'll then feel that it's necessary because their boss has sent them an email that they must respond. So we've made it really clear amongst my team and my peers that I work hours that are convenient to me. Um, it's just, you know, and they might spread from 5 a.m. to 9 and then I'll go to the gym for a couple of hours and I'll come back again and work and then do parenting. Mm. Um, the mm. work gets done. It just doesn't get done around kind of an old construct of a, a five-day week, eight hours a day. Um, mm. And that's the beauty of Holden is the ability to do that. So I have people mm. who, I've got people in my team who they start work uh, probably 4 a.m. Um, so that they can hit uh, Detroit time. At a reasonable yes. hour, they work through until five, then they take care of their kids, they jump back on again at the other end of the day. Um, mm. What our business cares about is the quality of the work and the fact that it gets done, not when it gets mm. done. That is, a, that is a really great example because as you were talking, I remembered uh, once upon a time in the organization where I used to work, the, um, the CFO uh, was um, working very late hours and uh, there were some leadership team, and I was part of the leadership team, um, and they will stay as long as that person stayed. And, and I, after a couple of months, it occurred to me, because I, I had office and I didn't see as much who is there, who it isn't. But then I started observing that every time CFO goes home, everyone else goes home. And I've asked the question and said, why are you staying here? I mean, I didn't stay all the time there. I, I did it in my hours and if I had to prepare something, but then I will go home. I didn't depend on whether he is there or not. But other, there were three people who continually stayed there and then went home after the CFO went home. And I've asked them a question and they said, well, we are here just in case he needs us and we are here because we need to because he is there. And that was like about 10 years ago. So I'm hoping the world has moved. But I've actually noticed even now when I go in and out organizations and, and do consulting with them, that there are still cultures that, um, you know, basically push that sort of behaviors. And I'm glad you're saying that because the, the, the priorities today with a life and work are very different mm -hmm. for everyone. Some people have kids, some don't. And um, and I'm glad you, you basically set those priorities and understanding within your teams. And I think that's a great example of what others can do because it doesn't happen in in other organizations um, out there. So I'm, I'm hope they will use your example. Yeah. Um, I guess yes. I think teams do... What I've, what I've experienced is that I think... And I've seen what you've seen as well, and I know it's prevalent in certain cultures just outside of this mm. country and also within microcultures within businesses. But yes. what, I, what I know to be true, at least from my own team's experience, is at, at the end of the day, what they value is the flexibility that we give them. They also know yes. that if and when something's urgent or required, it takes precedence. Mm. Um, 
And, and so it's not that they're shying away from work so, you know, so much. They work amazing hours um, and they you know, really succeed. Um, but they truly value that flexibility that puts um, mm. their work life um, really mm. prevalent. Yes, I, I think that's fantastic. We have a couple of minutes to the end of uh, episode today. I could have uh, talked to you for a whole day, actually, because there are such a great topics. Um, just really briefly, if you could mention to us something about your diversity ambassadors, because I know your organization is so strong on diversity. Can you really briefly tell us um, what diversity means to you and Holden? Uh, it's what I love, and you know, Holden. You touched on it earlier. It was not uncommon for, particularly immigrants, to and kind of you can position Melbourne. Uh, we're very close to the port, and so ships would come from Europe. Um, the passengers would depart from the ship. They'd walk down the road. The first part was a BP refinery. On the other side, if you didn't get a job there, you'd come and work for us. Mm. We've got a really long and proud history. Um, of being made up of many, many cultures. So cultural diversity and celebrating the things that matter to our people are critical, not just because of the people who work here, but also because of who our customers are. Yes. Um, so cultural diversity is critical. Um, in addition to that, we've taken a really strong stance locally with regards to gender. So yes. We're one of 120 companies that have recently been cited or basically uh, given workplace gender equality employer of choice location yes. status, which is very hard to get, but we're pleased to have got that. We've made a commitment that by 2022, we'll have a workforce which is 50-50 um, wow. male and female. Uh, I'm pleased to say we don't have a gender pay gap, which is uncommon amongst Australian companies, let alone that's fantastic. companies. Um, and that's kind of gender on... The other thing we're really passionate about, or two areas we're really passionate about, is the LGBT community. And so we took a really yes. proactive stance here locally in regards to marriage equality. Um, and we proudly participate and sponsor um, a number of activities to support the LGBT community. Mm. Um, and then lastly, we have to acknowledge that as an Australian company, uh, that any, any part of the country, anybody who has a building, it's on First Nations land. Um, yes. And so we have an uh, Aboriginal Reconciliation Action Plan that we've worked with mm. with the local Indigenous community and we acknowledge them at the commencement of most of our, um, yeah. our large meetings. And it's really important Fantastic. to us. Yeah. Actually, we are, we are at the end. I just would like to thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it was a, such a pleasure learning for, from uh, you what Holden is doing and sharing the story with others. I just wanted to say a quick quote before we go. Uh, become the kind of leader that people would follow voluntarily, even if you had no title or position. Brian Tracy. Mm. This was Alma Bestedin on the Global Workplace. Until next time, have a healthy, happy and safe week ahead. Thank you so much, Ashley Winnett. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Please join Alma Besserdin for another edition of the Global Workplace next Tuesday at 4 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week.